0: betmgm and game sense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices please gamble responsibly betmgm.com for terms and conditions must be 21 years of age or older to wager washington dc only please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER oh should we start this show yeah i'm down just buying a car in carvana first Oh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take
1: me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up.
0: Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval.
1: Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that. Free. Switch to to pure talk today and get a free samsung 5g smartphone qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk text and 15 gigs of data and a mobile hotspot just go to puretalk.com slash jesse and claim your eligibility for your free brand new samsung 5g smartphone again go to puretalk.com slash jesse to switch to my cell phone company pure talk your holster is way more important than you think it is it's just way more important than you think it is. What? Look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry
0: This is The Jesse Kelly Show.
1: I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine you left your friends on a deserted island Dessert, it's a strong way to put it. They're not in civilization. They're with a bunch of Indian tribes. Indian tribes, you were getting along with real well when you left. And you were heading back to check on your friends. It's been a long time. It's been a year. And you sail around the corner, heading over to the fort you left, and you see it smoking in the distance. What goes through your head at that moment? What kind of ominous dread do you feel? And like we talked about yesterday with the Columbus story that we're obviously continuing today, it's the mystery of it, right? What am I going to find? We'll get back to that. Where we left off yesterday, I am not recapping everything. If you want the first part of our very rare two-part episode, I'll hardly ever do that. I rarely do a two-part history thing. I just don't like it, but there's so much here. To be frank, I'm not 100% sure I'm going to finish everything today, depending on how distracted I get. (laughs) But if you want the first part of this little Christopher Columbus 30,000-foot view recap we're doing, you're going to have to go back to yesterday. I'm not recapping it. There's too much to get to and too many news stories, actually, today. Believe it or not, I'm going to address some political news I know this is wild I don't want to step out of the norm here Chris we have we have listener emails we have new podcast reviews we have all kinds of stuff so if you want the Christopher Columbus recap you got to go find it yourself I'm not doing that He has three ships now. The Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. Remember, the Santa Maria was the biggest. The Pinta didn't want to be there. They were forced to be there. King and Queen. Hey, Pinta and your crew, guess where you're going? West. No, I realize we don't know what's west. Yeah, that sucks. Anyway, you're still going west. Good luck. And they set off. There's there are a million billion different things written about Columbus. And people have gotten to the point this is what happens with popular historical figures or popular history stories. You feel the need to write something or maybe you maybe that's how you make your living is writing something. Remember lots of what you see out there now when it comes to political writing, just any writing period, the writer doesn't write whenever the writer feels like writing most of the time. The writer writes for a living. You have a quota. I, I'm grateful I don't have a job like that but because I hate writing, but if you're you know, a columnist for one of these big conservative publications or any big news outlet, but you don't just, I don't feel like it this week. There's just nothing I'm passionate about. Check back with me next week. No, you have to write something. And that's part of the problem. History suffers through the same thing. How many people have written something about Christopher Columbus? How many books, if I would, I haven't done this, but if I were to look on Amazon.com right now for Christopher Columbus books, how many would I find before I ran out? Exactly, a lot. So they feel the need to offer, oftentimes, an alternate view of what was what happened, because there's nothing new to write, right? It's the story of Christopher Columbus. We know what happened. So much of it was written down. We have we have written things. We have testimony. We have we have overwhelming amounts of evidence on it. <laughs> Chris said. There's over (laughs) 1,000, over 1,000 books. Exactly. With over 1,000 books written on it, you're a professor or a writer and you're specializing in that period and maybe you need a little extra cheddar cheese. Maybe your contract said you have to write a book. Okay, Professor Chris, you have to write a Christopher Columbus book. What do you write that hasn't been written? It's all been written. The story hasn't changed in oh 500 years give or take. So they start to change the history of it to offer a new perspective. They're just trying to sell books. and then that catches on and then that gets that gets taught in schools. One of the things I've heard cont- <laughs> so much about Columbus, which is blatantly false if you actually read a lot on it, is that Columbus didn't really realize that this was going to end up being so big. That is completely wrong. He knew this was gigantic. He knew taking three ships, sailing them into the Unknown West was a humongous risk and potentially a humongous reward. He knew for a fact this was feast or famine, baby, big time. I'm going to be a god of history, or I'm going to die ugly in a month or two. He knew that for a fact. They point west. They sail off. Columbus is watching now. Now, when you're on these ships, you're in the middle of the ocean, you have to constantly measure how far you've gone, And what you're measuring for is not where you're going. You would be doing that if you had a destination, if you're Christopher Columbus. But since you have no idea how far you have to go, you can't do that. What you're doing, if you're Christopher Columbus, is measuring how far you've gone against the rations you have. Because at some point in time, you reach the point of no return And you either have to turn back around today, or we'll starve to death before we get back to Spain, or we sally forth. And there is no point in turning around after that. They're out there for a while. They keep going. The point of no return gets there. They keep going. The crew of these ships understandably apprehensive right now and start to get restless. And we need to talk about this for a moment because this is going to come back into play time and time and time and time again today. Who chooses to be on a ship like this back then? I mean, ships today, why do you think it is you hear the word mutiny so much when it comes to history, when it comes to sailing boats? Why do you think that is? You undoubtedly, there's a 100% chance you know what a mutiny is. Why? Have you been on some boat? Have you spent a lot of time on a boat? Probably not. So why do you know what a mutiny is? Because it happened all the time. Why did it happen all the time? There's a couple reasons for that. Hang on. I'll tell you what they are. Home title lock can save you from being evicted from your home. That is not hyperbole. That's reality. I'm staring at a quote from a lady named Deborah who was evicted from her home. She's not the only one. You see, what happens is these cyber thieves, they go online, they steal your home title. Once they get a hold of it, they forge your signature on it, take a loan out against it, and you have to pay that loan back. I can't stress that enough. There's no home insurance company that's going to come to your rescue. That's your loan now. And if you don't, and oftentimes you won't because you'll be getting these letters and you'll think, well, this is ridiculous. This must be a mistake. If you don't pay it back, you're gone. Don't risk that. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Register your address See if you're already a victim. While you're there, use the code JESSE. Get 30 free days. Jesse Kelly returns next. Why do you know what a mutiny is? Why does it happen so often you know what it is? One, everything on the ocean, especially back then, but my goodness, even still today, it's not as if it's a safe, cuddly place. Everything back on the ocean, when you're on a sailboat back then, everything is life and death. The captain makes life and death decisions all the time. And if you have a weaker captain, if you have a subversive crew member or two, it doesn't take much to convince people you're going to die unless you mutiny. That's why the punishments for mutiny are so severe, it takes a lot to try to scare somebody out of doing one. That's one. The second reason, and this is the part that's going to come into play a lot today, who goes on a ship like this? I'm undoubtedly going to offend a lot of people with some generalizations I make today. Let me just say before I go into that, if you get offended, I don't care. I am not interested at all. Buck up, buttercup. Don't care. The type of man who hops on a sailing ship and points it west for a life of grinding work, endless danger, is the type of man who's going to be difficult to rule over. I'm not insulting that man either. He's going to be very good at some things and very bad at other things. Do you think an order following family man who dodes on his wife and kids and the kind of guy you'd want teaching your Sunday school class Do you think that's the type of person who volunteers to hop on a Spanish ship and sail off the end of the world? It's not. And I'm not insulting the family man and I'm not insulting the sailor. That's a difficult man to control. That's a man who has chosen, maybe God made him that way, maybe his his parents made him that way, maybe a mixture of both. That's a man who has chosen a life of danger, on purpose. And there's something else. Remember I talked about the grinding work? There's a good chance on a sailing vessel, there's a good chance you're going to have some real idiots and some criminals on there. Because life is so hard, You're not often getting the cream of the crop in society. Now, lots of times the captains were. The officers on the ships were. They're paid well, high rewards in the end. But what 25, 30-year-old man is going to volunteer for that kind of risk and that kind of hardship? Oftentimes, a man without better options. Period. No different than the crappy jobs Out there today, I went to Taco Bell last night. Full disclosure, I went to Taco Bell after I got done doing my TV show. Did radio, TV, went to Taco Bell, placed the simplest order in the history of mankind, got home, and it was all wrong. All of it. And I was obviously mad because it was dinner time, but not that mad and didn't hang on to it that long. Why? Who do you think works at Taco Bell? People without better options. Either a young person in their first job, or if not a young person, someone else who, for whatever reason, doesn't have better options. Again, if that's offensive to you, I don't care. That's a fact. That's what you're getting on these ships. Therefore, as you're going to see throughout the rest of our tale today, They can be difficult men to keep a handle on. They can be cruel. It's a cruel life. Cruel lives oftentimes produce cruel people. Keep that in mind. The crew is getting unruly. However, Columbus was a bit of a firm captain, and boy, is that putting it nicely. He wasn't a vicious, hideous tyrant of a captain, but he wasn't soft. He was hard on his men, and you had to be. And on and on they went. And finally, and this will give you a, a brief window into why Columbus ended up having so many of the problems he had. You know I'm a Columbus fan. You know I admire the bravery. But understand this. We are going to talk about some of the ugly stuff today. Because I don't believe in sugarcoating any of it. I don't do white guilt history. But I don't do apologize for this or that history. I just tell you what happened and what I can understand and what I can't. Little things like I'm about to tell you, they matter a lot. Columbus, before he set out, you remember he had this big deal with the crown, with the royalty of Spain. They were going to give him everything: admiral of the seas, one eighth of everything. It was he had a long list of stuff. So over the top, they initially rejected it, but they eventually bowed to it. Another thing they agreed to was, as like a little bonus. Whoever the person is, no matter their rank, whoever the person is on one of these vessels who spots land first will have a pension for life. Think of that opportunity when you're living the hard life of a sailor, 20, 25, 30 years old. Obviously, life hasn't been that great for the most part. A pension for life? Christopher Columbus, as the story goes, sees a light at 2 a.m. one night out in the distance. Looks almost like a candlelight. Now, in his defense, he calls a couple guys up there to confirm what he's looking at. One of them does. One of them doesn't. The next day, one of the normal average dudes spots land. Land ho! I'm sure that's not what he said. I'm sure they were speaking Spanish or Portuguese or whatever. But Spotsland calls it out. Now, just skipping forward a little bit here. Columbus laid claim to that lifetime pension instead of letting one of his guys have it. Brother, even if you were the one who saw it first, You're the leader, you let your guy have that and that spreads throughout the crew. Reward the people under you for their hard work and they will continue to reward you. Screw them over for your own benefit, every chance you get, as Columbus often did, you end up with problems, lots of them, as Columbus often did. The story of Christopher Columbus is one of an absurdly talented brave human being willing to risk it all in a man completely incapable of maintaining it all once he got it. Anyway, back to that. They see land. They land on land and Christopher Columbus thinks he's in China or Japan. That is not a twisted-up view of history. Columbus would die still thinking he's, he landed in Asia. They really didn't know how big the world was back then. Hang on. Sleeping well every single night changes everything. It changes everything. I can't describe how much better I feel now, now that I'm off the cycle. And you know what I mean when I say the cycle. Not sleeping one night, then not sleeping the next night, then not sleeping the next night. And finally, when your body's about to shut down, you grab a sleeping pill and you pop it and you sleep 19 hours. You wake up, you feel better than you did the day before, but not okay. And then you're back to another two or three. Stop that. Go get an ebb sleep and get real sleep without a special pill, without a special pillow. Natural sleep. It's a wearable device. It applies cooling to your head Calming your thoughts and giving you real sleep. Try com slash Jesse. That's try com slash Jesse. Use the promo code Jesse at checkout. 25 bucks off. Columbus lands, this has to be, I wish I could have seen it. I'll put it to you this way. I wish I could have seen the look of excitement on everyone's face when they even see land, let alone get to it. Forgetting about the fact they thought they'd landed on China or Japan. You're alive. Remember they were in the middle of ocean. You're alive and you're standing on land. And clearly, it's, it's, you know, clearly, you know, you're going to have water and food. This is good. This is a moment I wish I could have seen. Talk about what naked joy looks like. Speaking of naked, the Indians come on out. Contrary to popular belief, this could not have gone better at first. We will get to the rest later. The Indians were naked as the, as jaybirds, which obviously the Spanish considered to be a little weird, but the Spanish, they were in the colonial game. They were used to dealing with tribal peoples around the world. It's not as if they'd never seen a naked native before. And let's be honest when you've been in the middle of the ocean as a dude for a month, it probably wasn't the end of the world. When you see some naked Indian chicks come out, but Chris, it's true. But they did, they got along very, very well. We're in the Bahamas at this point, if you'd like to know where he landed. Specifically, if you'd like to know, I don't know. And here's why it's funny when you're an explorer, when you're, and then remember, this was something common. I not, It's not like there were a bunch of people doing it, but the explorers all knew how this game was played back then. When you're charting new territories, you're out there on the water, you're figuring out what's what. You need to document things, right? But you don't have to document everything. Life shoots me a text. Hey, what'd you have for lunch today? Oh, I had a salad. I don't necessarily have to say I had a salad before my double cheeseburger and fries. I'm kidding. That's a lie. But you know what I mean? You needed to document things for your own good so you can get back to where you're going and for the people who sponsored this. Remember, this is a sponsored trip Paid for mostly by the, the royalty of Spain. Some by Columbus himself, but mostly by the royalty of Spain. You have to give them some info, some documents. Not all the documents, though. Because what are you thinking if you're the king and queen of Spain? Nothing against them personally, but if Christopher Columbus comes back to you, And he has meticulous detail of everywhere he went, the distances, how long it took him to get there, the specifics of this, the specifics of that. What you're thinking, if you're the king and queen of Spain, is, oh, nice. Well, now we don't need you the next time, now do we? I'll hand these documents to somebody who's a little bit less of a pain in the rear end and be rid of you. You always wanted to make sure you were needed. Always. That's why I encourage all these wives to cook. <laughs> Quit, Chris. You can make jokes on the show. So when I say we don't know where on the Bahamas and where why nobody knows on the Bahamas, it's not because the records were lost. It's not because Columbus didn't take records. It's because he didn't necessarily put it down exactly. In the Bahamas. Begins to get to know the Indians, and I cannot explain this strongly enough. At first, this is a great relationship. The Indians are very interested in the Spanish. The Spanish are very interested in the Indians and things the Indians can offer. The Spanish are all about that gold life. You remember the Cortez expedition and everything else. Gold is always on the mind of Christopher Columbus. He's always asking the Indians wherever he goes about that. Where's the gold? Do you have any more gold? We'll trade you for gold. And they are trading with the Indians constantly. Here are these goods. Give me your goods. The Indians are offering voluntarily, offering guide services now. They're learning each other's languages so we can start communicating better. Columbus is always asking them where he can find more gold. The Indians, whether they're honest about this or just trying to be coy about it, were always saying, oh, that's in a separate area. That's that's, that's another island. That's down south. I don't know. That's south. But things are going well. So well that he keeps bouncing around. Columbus goes to Cuba. Columbus goes to Haiti. Things are going well. Right about this time, a few major things happened. One, the Pinta. Remember the Pinta that was forced into service? The Pinta leaves without permission, without telling anybody. They look one day, and the Pinta's just leaving. They do some signaling. There's no signaling back. And just to fast forward a little bit, the Pinta eventually comes back, and nobody really knows. They It, it appears, from what we can read, it appears they got fed up. Didn't want to be there. Didn't want to follow Columbus anymore. You've been sitting there listening to the Indian tribes. I'll tell you there's some place with tons of gold down south. It appears they really just took off and went to go look for themselves for a while. Again, remember, these are explorers. These are people who spend lots of time on a boat. These are people built differently. So that's one of the things that happens. Another thing that happens at this point is the Santa Maria, remember the biggest Ship of the fleet, if you even want to call a three-ship thing a fleet, the biggest ship in the flagship, they run it aground. It runs into the ground, and this is not 2020, where you have barges and tugboats and Coast Guard and things like that. you That's what fascinates me so much about this, is the remoteness and the wildness and the danger of it. You run... Your sailing ship aground over here? Goodbye. It's gone now. And this was the Santa Maria. Supposedly, Columbus cried because they had to unload everything off of it and say goodbye. So how about that? The Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria? Santa Maria made a one-way trip. It never, ever, ever came home again. Would I cry, Chris? No, I wouldn't cry, but there are... I don't think I would cry. Here's Let me explain. I am, as everybody knows, I'm very unfeeling and cold and just don't have human emotions or morals or anything like that. However, the one thing... This is really weird. I've had to say goodbye for various reasons to so many friends and things like that throughout my life. I can handle that stuff. It hurts. I can handle it. I actually get... I don't know if you want to call it emotional, because it's not as if I'm crying, but I get a little tug at me whenever I leave a place where I've lived. I mean the actual apartment or house, which is odd because we moved 10 times in 10 years when I was a kid. We've moved across the country. I've moved my whole life. I've I've, I've lived all over the place. However, my first apartment when I got out of the Marine Corps, I still remember the day I moved out. And everything was cleared out, and I looked around at the apartment and I thought, man, I had some cool times here. And then did the same thing, but our first house when we got married, sold the house. Packing up the house, moving out, looking around. It it hits me a little. I'm thinking, I remember we did this here and did that here. I remember the kitchen where the wife stayed. Stop. All right, we'll be back.
0: Jesse Kelly You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show Wake up and text Text and eat Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus Text and miss your stop Wait, 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 wait Text and be late to work Sorry, I'm late Text and work Text and pretend to work A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
1: Three things. The Pinta leaves. The Santa Maria is gone. And Columbus decides it is time to build a fort here. You don't have, because you had three ships, you don't have an endless amount of supplies for a fort. But you have some. You have the Santa Maria. Got plenty of wood to use there. And now you have to make a decision if you're Columbus. We're talking... 100 people on this first voyage total. That's not an exact number. That's just rough. You have to decide how many are you leaving behind. His plan is to build a fort and then take off back to Portugal to resupply and, frankly, ask the crown for the money and everything they need to make a return trip. What do you leave? Who do you leave? Columbus picks 39 guys. As he leaves, they are constructing this fort. They are politely, very much so politely, getting along with the local Indian tribes, trading. Tribes are translating. Tribes are, however... I'm not sure the best way to put this, because I'm not sure who I believe. The tribes are telling the Spanish about this other Indian tribe of cannibals called the Caribs. These people were, I know the Caribs were real, don't get me wrong, they were feared greatly throughout the region, would constantly fight and slaughter other Indian tribes, and we'll get to some of the things they did to other Indian tribes in a moment. However, the reason I'm a little skeptical of some of this peppering of the Spanish, because they were always talking about the Caribs. Crib this, Crib that. Oh, these people were terrors. Part of me wonders if there weren't some real crafty Indians in there who were already thinking, we need to get rid of these Spanish at some point, and we're going to need a scapegoat to do so. You'll see what I mean later on. Anyway, they're, they're they're tattling on the Caribs who the Spanish haven't even met yet. Columbus leaves 39 dudes there. Build your fort. I got to go back to Spain, and I got to beg, borrow, and steal and present my case for why we should have a second expedition. This part actually fascinates me quite a bit. You left the 39 dudes. You left them to build the fort. You know they're surrounded by Indian tribes, and yes, they're getting along well. But what are you thinking if you're one of the 39 dudes when the sailboats are shipping off? What if Columbus gets back to Spain? And the crown says, no, you can't do another one. What are you supposed to do? You're there forever. What if you get back, and this is the era, remember, just like any other, this is the era where monarchs are overthrown, palace coups, wars happen. What if you get back and the royalty isn't even royalty anymore? What if you get back and another country like Portugal, which we'll get to in a second, What if they decide they want that island and they send a fleet to come kill you all? The danger of that is amazing. Columbus sails back across the ocean blue heading east and actually gets captured by the Portuguese. Remember, Portugal and Spain, they're not, hard way to put this, they're not enemies right now. But they ain't friends. And they've recently fought a war where they had to sign a treaty. You can't explore above here. You can't explore there. There definitely, there are some major, major tensions there between Portugal and Spain. And they are both powerhouses at this point in time. Columbus gets arrested, actually finds a way to negotiate his way out of it gets out of the arrest, brings, it should be noted, brings some of the Indians back with him. And this part, this part I start to struggle with. Remember, the crown looked down on slavery at this point in time, the Spanish monarchy. The Catholic Church in Europe looked down on slavery if the slaves were Christians, didn't care so much if they weren't. What I'm getting to is at this point, they're still selling this as willing Indians came back. Let's get to know each other, learn each other's language. So we have translators and things. Explain to me how you sold that to the Indians who are on the boat who've never been on a boat like that and certainly never been out in the middle of the ocean and dang sure have never been to Spain, what were you selling? Are you sure you asked or did you tell? Sure seems like they probably told. Again, I get a little skeptical when it comes to things like this. Hang on.
0: One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy. Or you, your best man, your worst man. You, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at do That's do Brought to you by the Ad Council and it's pre-diabetes awareness partners.
1: Columbus stands before the crown, has a bunch of gold, A bunch is a strong way to put it. He didn't find these major gold veins he was trying to find. He had enough gold to pique the crown's interest. And remember, the crown was in this for-profit. This wasn't just to spread Christianity. They wanted a link to the West. They wanted money. He didn't have a ton of gold, but he did have new lands he had claimed for Spain. And new lands always come with money and opportunity. He brings these Indians back. He's still selling this as he landed. He looked, let's be honest. He did sail west and did find land. And he thinks he found China or Japan. And the crown thinks he found China or Japan. So they're pretty stinking happy. Pretty stinking happy. You took a gamble on this dude. He came back. Look, I got some Indians. You can see I actually found something. How happy? I'll explain Columbus stands before the crown, gives an accounting of what he's done. The crown looks at Columbus and says, Oh, yeah. Yeah, we need more of that. Outstanding, thrilled. Go find us more gold, claim more lands. And this is the part of the story I always loved. They give him for his second voyage. Remember the first voyage? Three ships. 100 dudes or so. For his second voyage they give him 17 ships and 1200 people. I don't think that's great for I don't think I don't find that hilarious for the second trip. I find it hilarious because of what it says about the first trip. Talk about really hedging your bets and giving this wingnut sailing west the bare minimum. <laughs> I mean, when you go from three ships and 100 dudes to 17 ships and 1,200, even Columbus had to look around and be like, wow, they really did not take that first one seriously. <laughs> I'm not to say. And when I say 1,200 men, 17 ships, just know that now we've taken on a whole new level of, Of what Spain wants out of this. Spain now knows they've got something on their hands. These ships are packed full of soldiers. Horses, war dogs. We'll get to that in a minute. But a lot more than that. They're packed full of craftsmen. Construction workers, builders, medical personnel. Priests. You're packing these things... To go not just explore, to go build a civilization. Obviously, construction materials, even nice things, wine and such, even though wine was actually fairly common back then. Like I said, they needed it to disinfect the water half the time. Trump, or Trump, Columbus sets sail, gets back. It's back, He lands initially south of where he had landed the first time, Puerto Rico area, about 500 miles south. And this time, they get a little creeped out the first time they land on an island. Remember, virtually everywhere else they'd gone before on the first journey, they had been greeted Practically on the beach, oftentimes on the beach by Indians. Naked ones, too, which is always a benefit. Stop. Been greeted by Indians on the beach. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Wow, you're white. Never seen that before. Very friendly thing. This time they land. There's no greeting. The Indians all appear to have fled to the interior of the island. They start digging through this island, and they're seeing the remains of dead Indians all over the place. Finally, they find some living ones, and it's all women or children, and the male children have all been castrated. Remember those Caribs we were talking about? Turns out they were real. Very, very, very real. Columbus. Columbus has to move on. He's there to find new things. He's there to explore. Columbus has to move on. He goes to get on his ships. And the women and children of this island are so terrified. They're begging Columbus to take them along. Now, here is a problem. Here's a problem that I don't know has a great solution. What do you do in this situation if you're Christopher Columbus? I know what you're thinking. Almost undoubtedly, you're thinking, well, you bring in the women and children. Remember who's on these ships? Remember the type of men on these ships? Remember what's not on these ships ever? Other women? Do you think that's an accident or a tool of the patriarchy that historically women have not been on naval vessels? Do you know the most underrated thing about our military today? It's how our naval ships consistently have major screw ups and consistently set sail without the proper personnel. Why? Because we decided we had to be more inclusive and include women on naval ships. And it turns into exactly what you'd expect. When you pack a thousand. 18, 19, 20-year-old men and women on a naval ship for any extended period of time, it turns into exactly what you'd think. And with that comes drama. With drama comes really hurting the ability, the readiness of a ship. It's nobody's fault. It's how God made us. It's human nature. It's the fault of the person who let them on. I'm not even blaming them. I don't care who you are, what the situation is. You take 10 20-year-old women and 10 20-year-old men and put them on a deserted island for about a week, you're going to have things happening and you're going to then have tension and drama as jealousy and things unfold. We men, you women... We like each other. Why do you think God made women so annoying because they're so hot it's the only thing that keeps them away sometimes. <laughs> they no seriousness. You're asking for trouble. Now you take, if you're Christopher Columbus, you have to consider this. and Columbus, we don't know how much his faith was genuine, but whose faith do you do know that is genuine that you can say 100%? Only God knows such things. Christopher Columbus considered himself to be a strict, devout Catholic, a devout man. He did. And very well could have been. We don't know. He wants to do the right thing and save these women. At the same time, you're going to bring a bunch of Indian women onto a ship Huge savior, savior complex thing going on there. You know the ruffians on the ship. And let's not forget, even Columbus would have looked down on these people as savages beneath them. Boy, that situation's getting more and more dangerous by the second, isn't it? Columbus chooses to save some. I will tell you. I can't seem to find – I'm sure somebody's written about it out there. I can't seem to find exactly what the selection process was for who you chose to save and who you didn't choose to save, but even that would be interesting to see, right? You know what I'm thinking, the same thing you're thinking. Did they go through and pick the hottest chicks to save? And back to the moral dilemma. Should you have saved them? We may have to continue this tomorrow. History says probably not.
0: Is he smarter than everyone?
1: Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. You need to get some gold. You have to get some gold. I just talked about it extensively on the show yesterday. I know you heard. We can't print like this forever. Just print money like this. We can't do that. And now they're talking about spending even more. And I don't know if you know this, but... They're not going to spend less the next year. It's going to be more and more and more, and eventually that bubble's going to burst. And when that bubble bursts, you're going to wish you had gold then. Go get a gold IRA and get it from Gold Alliance. Gold Alliance has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. A-plus. You know how difficult it is to get that? That means you have an established record of outstanding service. Go to goldalliance.com slash Jesse. That's goldalliance.com slash Jesse. Go there now. Protect your financial future. going to get to a lot of the ugly stuff which really took place on the second voyage, which is the one we're on. But we're going to have to wait and get to that tomorrow. But you really need to take this away from what we've done, what we've talked about so far. Certain men are good at certain things. And... No men are good at everything. And you need to be, I don't want to use the word more understanding, but you do need to be more accepting of who's good at what and accept people's gifts for what they are. I want the world to be explored. I'm glad it was explored, I guess I should say. I'm glad there were men brave enough to get on a ship and point it west. However, I accept as you should accept there's a good chance the type of man who does that It's not the type of man you want babysitting your children, checking in on your wife while you're out of town, guarding your money. There's a good chance the type of man who does that doesn't fit well in a settled, civilized society. And that's okay. To a point, obviously, you want to control all that. People are built... Differently. We're all made differently, good at some things, bad at others. That's why I don't get bothered with all the hate I get from the left and whatnot. It genuinely doesn't bother me. I I understand I'm a jerk. I'm, I'm not, there's nothing I can do about that. That's how I am. Sometimes you need a jerk, sometimes a jerk is necessary. Everyone isn't good at everything, and everyone doesn't thrive in every environment. That's absurd. There are loners. There are social people. My accountant could never in a million years be my lawyer because he's a huge numbers nerd who enjoys looking at Excel spreadsheets. My lawyer could never be my accountant. There's no way you're going to get that guy to sit down in front of a computer and do that, and that's fine. One of them isn't better or worse than the other. It is important that you, this is a rough way to put this, that you use people for the benefit they can give you, meaning the benefit they can give the things you care about. And I'm not telling you you have to ignore everything else. That's not true. But you have to acknowledge there are going to be some failures there. I've heard people describe it as being uneven before. They did that great documentary on ESPN about the, uh, the Michael Jordan Bulls and their last title called Last Dance. Highly recommend it. And there's so much written, so much has been written now about why Michael Jordan is a jerk. Jordan was mean to this. Jordan was mean to that teammate. Jordan was mean to this. Jordan was a bad husband. Jordan was this. Jordan was that. I'm not denying any of that. I'm sure sure a lot of that's true. Some of it's probably exaggeration, whatever. But I'm sure a lot of it's true. What type of human being do you think obsesses so much that he practices until his fingers bleed? That's not necessarily a person who's going to be a great teammate. However, you're going to win a lot of titles. I can take people for what they give me and ignore the rest to a point. When we get to tomorrow, we are going to get past the sunny side of this whole exploration of the Caribbean era. area. Tomorrow it's going to get dark. There's no way to sugarcoat it. It's going to get dark. It's going to get ugly. People are going to die, lots of them. People are going to do ugly things, lots of them. I'm not excusing them. I never would. But that's exploration, and that's the type of man who goes out there. And I thought about this last night when I watched Trump. Trump was back at a rally. He's doing the rally thing now. They've basically just screwed everything up with the COVID. They've, they've disenfranchised people to the point now where people don't care about the coronavirus thing. They just do not care. Look, even the people who pretend to care don't care at all. They, they do not care at all. They just act like they care in front of you. So now Trump's just flat out putting on rallies, packing stadiums, putting on rallies. It's what he does. And Trump was up there in rally mode, dropping lines like, this is a direct quote, my heart is with the hardworking patriots of all backgrounds who build up communities, not the violent criminals and extremists and agitators and anarchists who burn them down. That's a great line. As you can imagine, crowd goes ape when he drops that line. And it occurred to me. This is when Donald Trump is at his best. This is what he does well. How many times have you heard me bag on something Trump has done, mainly over the past three or four months with his coronavirus response, his initial Black Lives Matter response? He's looked scared. He's looked timid at times, beaten down, tired. Why do you think that is? Donald Trump is not the type of human being who can sit in the White House and give press conferences all day long. Donald Trump, I've seen him do this in person when I went to a Houston rally. I know what feeding off the energy of the crowd looks like. The man's 72 or 73 years old and spoke for over an hour. He was working on hour number two when I left, and the place was going crazy. Have you ever given a speech before? I've given tons of them. It's exhausting. Just once you get, I mean, getting getting up for it and then coming to Donald Trump looked like he could have gone all night. That is what he's made for. And I will tell you, as somebody who is always rooting for America, it did me well to see him like that. Donald Trump is going to be better and better over the next couple months because he's going to be out again, getting energized, feeding off the crowd. That doesn't make him better or worse than the guy who prefers to sit by his desk and and take notes while reading the newspaper. You can choose what you want out of your president. But it is a fact. It is a fact. He's going to be better and better now. I'm glad he's out there again. It's what he's good at. And it did occur to me, as I've said, I don't think you can predict this election right now. I would say all signs are pointing towards a Trump win, but I mean, gosh, if Biden won, I wouldn't be surprised with how insane everything and everyone is right now. But I do see the possibility of Trump putting some serious distance between himself and Joe Biden between now and election day, because the most important thing in every campaign is the candidate himself. Joe Biden can't leave the basement for more than five minutes at a time. Donald Trump's going to be packing stadiums for two months. It's going to matter. Hang on. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. It's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man, I don't need any help, I'm just gonna quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch, that didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds, I I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco free, it's nicotine free, it's even sugar free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code Jesse at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off.
0: Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn. Four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest Toothpaste, Secret Deodorant, Old Spice Deodorant, or Gillette Razors. Offer expires March
1: 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details.
0: introducing the lisa chill collection your answer to hot nights these mattresses beat the heat with ultra cool covers whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature save up to four hundred and sixty dollars on Chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now i Heart listeners can save an extra fifty dollars off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. that's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash i exclusions apply see lisa.com for more details Hear fascinating animal stories to explore wildlife across the globe in Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife. Starting March 15th, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.